0: Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. The prophet Isaiah referred to the Messiah Jesus as a man of sorrows. On today's program, John continues his look at why the prophet would refer to our Savior in such a way as he continues his message, The Tears of Jesus.
1: Back in the late 1960s, my dad and mom both were really called into the ministry and felt like that he should leave the business world and and become a preacher. And so they together made that decision, surrendered to the ministry, and not long after they had made that decision, God opened a door for my dad to pastor a church in Georgia on the south side of Atlanta, a church called Providence Baptist Church. And he pastored that church for about two and a half years. Well, at the end of that time, he felt like he really needed to go to seminary and to, if he's going to spend his whole life preaching, so he could study and learn. So I was about six months old, and, and uh, my parents took me, and, and anyway, we moved to Texas. Well, when we all got out to Fort Worth, the first Sunday they were there, uh, they attended a church in Fort Worth called Travis Avenue Baptist Church. This is in the spring of 1970. At this time, Travis Avenue had the largest worship center of any church in the Southern Baptist Convention. That Sanctuary held about 3,000 or 3,500 people. So it was a very large church. And so my parents now have gone from pastoring this small church in Georgia where they knew everybody and everybody knew them. And now they're in another state, don't know anybody, and they're in another church, a huge church. And my mother's telling me this some, probably a year or two or three ago. And she said, John, we were sitting in the back of that sanctuary of that huge church where we didn't know anybody. And she said, I can just remember feeling lonely, sad. We've left our family. We've left our church. We've left everybody to come out here to go to school. And here we're in this huge church, and we don't know anybody. We felt so disconnected. And she said, I just sat there during the song service that day and cried. Wanted to go back home and thought we had made a mistake. She said, right before the pastor got up to preach the sermon that morning, the choir sang a special. And she said, when they were singing this song, God, through the music, spoke to my heart and said, Dottie, I know how you feel, and I'm going to take care of you. I said, well, Mom, what was the song that they were singing? She said, John, that day that choir at Travis Avenue was singing, No One Understands Like Jesus. And she said, when I sat there and just heard that choir sing, No One Understands Like Jesus, she thought, well, that must be true, because I don't think there's anybody in the world who could understand how I feel except Jesus Christ. And she said, John, in that moment, it was God speaking to me through that music and through that song saying to you, Dottie, I know how you feel. I care how you feel, and everything is going to be all right. But I tell that story today to say this. Here you are today in church on a Sunday morning. Some of you, this may be your first time at First Baptist, May you never have been here before. And you look around this room and you say, I don't know a soul here. Others of you, you say, no, I've been coming here for a long time, but you have no idea what I went through last week. And while everything looks familiar, nothing is the same. And I feel like no one understands. Friend, I want to say this to you today. Jesus understands and Jesus cares how you feel. When we read those two words, Jesus wept, it gives us an insight into the person of Jesus Christ. He is touched with our infirmities, and he is moved with our pain. Jesus wept because of human suffering. Number two time, we read about the tears of Jesus. We learn another insight about Jesus. Not only does he weep because of human suffering, but here in the uh, New Testament, we read that Jesus wept because of spiritual suffering. Now turn back, you're in John, turn back one book to the Gospel of Luke and chapter 19. Jesus wept not only because of human suffering, somebody had died and others were sad, but there was a time when Jesus wept because of spiritual suffering. And in Luke 19, beginning in verse 28, we read about how Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And it says, when he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Now, we're not going to read all these verses today about this, but if you'll jump down to verse 37. Now, as Jesus was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, so he's coming down the Mount of Olives now, down what we, what we know is that Palm Sunday Trail. And if you've been to Jerusalem, you have been on top of the Mount of Olives. You've walked down that Palm Sunday Trail. You've looked through that Kidron Valley and up to the old city of Jerusalem. There was Jesus riding on this animal as he's coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And so they're quoting here a verse from Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Here's this religious crowd. And they're saying to Jesus, Nobody is supposed to be worshipped except God. And these people are worshipping you. Tell them to stop. What they didn't understand was Jesus is God in the flesh. And verse 40, he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Jesus said, if they weren't praising me, these stones would, because I have come as God in the flesh. And they recognize that in their praise. So this is is Palm Sunday. And we know that in Bible times, palm branches were waved as a symbol. And when people would wave palm branches on special occasions, that was their way of saying, we believe that the Messiah is one day coming to this earth to save us and to liberate us. And so on this Palm Sunday, those in that crowd waving those palm branches, what were they saying? They were saying the Messiah is here. Our Savior and our Deliverer has arrived. Palm Sunday was a happy, happy day, and it should always be that. But in verse 41, we read something interesting. On this happy Palm Sunday, now as Jesus drew near, that is near the city of Jerusalem, he saw the city, now watch this, and wept over it. Now, just a few days earlier, he wept after Lazarus had died, and all the people were sad. He was sad. But here, he wept again over the city of Jerusalem. Why did Jesus weep over Jerusalem? Look in verse 42, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for peace... But now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side. And that's exactly what the Romans did about 40 years later. They just just destroyed Jerusalem. And in verse 44, Jesus said, They will level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Watch this because you did not know the time of your visitation. Now, on this Palm Sunday, why did Jesus weep? We just read why he wept. He wept, first of all, because all these people living in Jerusalem, now there were many of them waving their palm branches, and and they're worshiping Jesus and recognizing him as the Messiah, but as he looked at the larger number of people in Jerusalem, not a part of this celebration, he wept. Why? Because they did not understand where peace comes from. He says, they don't understand the things that make for peace. Here's Jesus looking over the thousands of people living in Jerusalem with no peace. And Jesus knowing that he himself is our peace. And they had rejected him. What did the people living in Jerusalem, where did they think peace came from? Many of them, most of them thought peace came from religion. That if we'll just keep the law of Moses and keep all the rituals and say our prayers and do all these things, that some of it's in the Bible and some of it we just added to the Bible. They just made it up, they made up their own religious rituals. And they just thought if we'll keep these rituals, God will be pleased with us and we'll be all right. But Jesus knew that that religion was not able to give them peace. Some of them thought peace came from recreation. If we'll just have fun and, you know, uh, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die and and live it up, then somehow we can have peace. But Jesus knew recreation wouldn't give them peace. Some living in Jerusalem thought peace came from riches. If we can just have enough money, that money will provide for us security. Like the man in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus said he had all this money, and he said, I've got so much money, my barns won't hold it. I have to tear down my barns and build bigger barns, and he did. And he said, now I have plenty of money for the rest of my life. He was trying to find peace and security in his riches, and yet in that story, Jesus said, you fool, you don't know that tonight your soul will be required of you. You see, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem and saw all these people who had rejected him, he knew that they were trying to find peace in religion, recreation, and in riches, but that peace could only be found in a personal relationship with him. They didn't know the things that made for peace. They didn't know where peace came from. Let me show you a couple of verses. First, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14, look at this. It says that Christ himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Peace is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, let me show you another one. In John 14 in verse 27, it says, Pete, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so in Ephesians, Jesus said, I'm your peace. In John 14, he said, I'm giving you peace. Which is it? It's both. He gave us himself, and yet Jesus wept because the people in Jerusalem did not understand where peace came from. They had missed that, and not only that, look at the end of verse 44 again, because you did not know the time of your visitation. In other words, Jesus wept, not only because they didn't know where peace came from, he wept because they had an opportunity to get right with God through placing their faith in him. And they had not taken advantage of that opportunity, and that opportunity was passing, and uh, they had missed it. You did not know the time of your visitation. And so Jesus wept because of spiritual suffering. Now, one other time in the New Testament that we read about Jesus weeping, and I came across this verse last Sunday afternoon. Normally, I don't think about my next Sunday sermon till Monday, but last Sunday, I just felt God put this on my heart. John, go out there next week and preach a sermon on the tears of Jesus. And I just started thinking about and looking up these scriptures and thinking about, and I came across a verse in Hebrews chapter 5 that I'm sure I have read. I know I've read it, but for some reason this verse never had gotten to me until last Sunday afternoon. But in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, as we think about Jesus weeping, not only because of human suffering and spiritual suffering, but also Jesus wept because of his own suffering. And in Hebrews 5, we read this verse, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. That verse says to us that when Jesus was on the earth offering up these cries to God, asking God to deliver him and rescue him from the cross, that in the middle of all that praying, that Jesus shed tears, that Jesus cried, that Jesus wept. Now, when I read that verse last week, I thought, now, where was it that Jesus wept? And I went back and refreshed my memory on his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we know that was an intense, agonizing prayer. And in Luke's gospel, we read that in that prayer, he even sweat drops of blood and there is a medical condition for that that a person could be in such intense angst that they would even begin to perspire blood uh, out of their forehead and Jesus did that but nowhere in the gospels does it tell us that in the garden of Gethsemane Jesus wept and yet that verse in Hebrews 5 makes us believe that in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was weeping. Or maybe Jesus was weeping on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It doesn't say he wept there, but maybe he did. Maybe it was in the garden, maybe it was on the cross, maybe it was both times. But we know there, in the midst of the agony of this Easter week, this Passion Week that we'll be remembering this week, we know that there came a time, at least once, when Jesus wept. Because of his own suffering. Think about that. He wept. Why was he weeping? Either in the garden or on the cross. Well, certainly he was weeping because of the physical pain that he was going through. If it was in the garden, he was weeping because of the physical pain that was ahead of him. If it was on the cross, the physical pain he was enduring. But not only the physical pain, Jesus wept because of the spiritual pain. Did you know for Jesus, the hardest part of the cross in that whole experience was not the physical agony As awful and grueling as that was, the worst part for Jesus was that for the first time in all eternity, in all eternity, that Jesus was separated from his Father because the sins of the world had been placed on him. The Bible says that God is too holy to look upon sin. And as Jesus was dying on that cross for the first time ever, God the Father turned his back on God the Son, and they had a break in their fellowship. And here's Jesus, pure, spotless, holy, never did anything wrong, and yet all of your sins... And all of my sins and all of the sins of all the world were placed on him. And the defilement that he felt and the separation that he felt from God caused Jesus to weep. Now, if you think about it, as I have this week, here's Jesus with Lazarus' family weeping because of human suffering. Here's Jesus on Palm Sunday weeping because of spiritual suffering. They didn't know where peace came from. And in the garden of Gethsemane and or on the cross, Jesus weeping because of his own suffering. Here's the thought that came to my mind. I want you to think about this for a moment. When Jesus was on the earth, he wept at least these times. May have wept more times. It's not recorded in the scripture. But we know he wept on these occasions. Now think about this. Jesus wept on earth so that we would not have to weep. For all eternity. As I begin thinking about weeping, and I begin thinking about what Jesus did, I begin thinking about heaven, and I begin thinking about hell, did you know one of the things that will make hell so awful for people who end up there is that for all eternity they will be weeping? Let me show you a verse in Matthew chapter 25, and in verse number 30, Jesus said, And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping. And gnashing of teeth, in hell gnashing of teeth, a description of the pain that people will experience in hell, the agony of that place. But the weeping, describing the regret, describing for all eternity people thinking, I had a chance through Jesus Christ to have my sins forgiven. I had a chance through Jesus Christ to experience peace. And yet I thought that peace and security and stability and all the things that I was looking for in life could be found in religion and in recreation and in riches. And I failed to understand that it could only be found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And for all eternity, people will weep in hell. How opposite from that is heaven. We know that in heaven, in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4, it says, upon our arrival into heaven... First thing God's going to do, you look at that verse, God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. In heaven, there'll be no weeping. There'll be no crying. Think about the contrast between hell and heaven. Hell, a place of weeping. Heaven, a place of rejoicing. Hell, a place of regret. Heaven, a place of celebration. And Jesus on earth wept so that we would not have to weep for all eternity. You know, I I think about Heaven and hell, the saved and the unsaved, the weeping and the celebration, the, the, just the total opposites of these two places. And I think I can wrap this sermon up today by saying this. For those of us who have been saved, the only sadness that we will ever know is on this side of the grave. Now, you think about that. For those of us who are saved, some of you today are sad. You're grieving. You said, I'm glad you're preaching about Jesus being sad because, John, I'm sad today. I'm glad that this Jesus we've been singing about and studying about is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief because today I feel like I'm a person of sorrows and I'm acquainted with grief. And I'm glad you're standing up there today telling me and reminding me that Jesus understands and that Jesus cares. Well, I am and he does. But for those of us who are saved, do we weep? Yes. Yes. Do we grieve? Yes. Do we hurt? Yes. But the only sadness and sorrow that we will ever know will be on this side of the grave. But friend, let me say this to you. Those here today who have never been saved, the only joy and happiness you will ever know is on this side of the grave. Because upon your death without Christ, you will step out into a horrible eternity and spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. Hades first, hell later on. We've talked about that many times. And in that place, there will be weeping, and there will be wailing, and there will be gnashing of teeth. When we think about hell, we, we often think about how dark it's going to be and how loud it's going to be and how... Final, it's going to be, and all of that makes hell hell. It makes hell hell. It's awful. One of the things that will make hell, this may be the hell of hell, is to think that people will spend all eternity regretting the fact that when they had an opportunity to make things right with God through Jesus Christ, instead of turning to that relationship, they held on to their religion. They pursued their recreation. They counted up all their riches, thinking that's where life was, man. That's where joy is. That's where peace is. And Jesus said, no, peace has never been there. It wasn't there on Palm Sunday, and it's not there today. Peace is only found in the person of Jesus Christ. And I'm saying to you today, saved or unsaved, if you want to live your life with peace, What you're looking for can only be found in an intimate, personal, close relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? With our heads bowed and eyes closed. First, to those of us who are saved, you know, you can be saved and lose your peace. You can't lose your salvation, but you can lose your peace if you get your focus off of Jesus. That's happened to all of us. I'm asking saved people today, are you at peace? Do you have peace in your heart? And if you say, John, I know I'm saved, (laughs) no question about that, but for some strange reason, I just don't have that peace. I've had it, but I don't have it today. Friend, I'm telling you, the Bible... Diagnoses and cures our problem the bible would say to you today if you don't have peace the reason is you've stopped focusing on jesus you've stopped trusting in him you're looking to either religion recreation or riches or maybe you're looking to something else but you're not looking to jesus what does it say in isaiah 26 it says that god will keep us in perfect peace if our mind is stayed on him Well, friend, if that's true, the opposite has to be true, too. If our mind is not on Him, we won't have perfect peace. Today, Christian friend, would you just ask God to help you to redirect your focus and your thoughts onto the person of Jesus Christ? Not your circumstances, not your problem, but Jesus. If you keep your mind on Him and trust in Him, you'll have not only peace, you'll have perfect peace. In the Hebrew, shalom, shalom. It doesn't get any better than that. And now today, for those who are not saved, you say, John, I don't, I, I don't know that there's ever been a time in my life where I had an encounter with Jesus. I've had an encounter with religion, but as far as the person of Jesus Christ, I don't know that I've ever had an encounter with him. I want to help you do that today. Would you pray this prayer? Just say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. Religion has been unable to satisfy me. And so I'm turning to you today asking for forgiveness, cleansing, and a new beginning. Lord, I ask you now to come into my heart. Wash my sins away in your blood. Make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it.
0: Amen. For those of you who have prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it and rejoice with you in your decision. In fact, the Bible tells us that the angels are rejoicing in heaven over your new life in Christ. Please let us know by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.org or by giving us a call at 1-800-337-0157. If you would like to grow in your new relationship with the Lord, we have some resources that we believe will help you. Simply look for the booklets tab on peacebybelieving.org. The booklet How to Be a Happy Christian is a great tool to help you as you begin your walk with the Lord. Also, John's newest booklet, How to Handle a Crisis, is there as well. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Rebitt.